Yeah, great question, Dr. Kaiser. So, like, I began in college. So, growing up, I grew up in upstate New York and went to school in Virginia. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So, I graduated, I got my first job, I actually landed in sales. And that sales career took me from Washington, D.C., where I met my wife and we had our first daughter. I have two daughters. And it took us to. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As listeners of the podcast know, my hope is to always bring you guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm, but have different ways of helping us to become better versions of ourselves on a daily basis. Really proud of the lineup of guests that we've been able to present to you, and I know that you will agree that we've done it again this week. Our guest today is Michael O'Brien. Uh, Michael is uh, a meditation teacher, executive coach, endurance athlete, and creator of the Pause, Breathe, Reflect, meditation and gratitude app, something that I'm sure many of us can benefit from. He loves helping people accomplish hard things through mindfulness. Um, and when we talk about hard things, uh, Michael is a survivor of a horrific near-death cycling accident that he calls his last bad day. Um, and he not only got back on the bicycle, but has recently uh, ridden it or ridden, rode his bicycle. It says here across America and New York State. For some of us that thought New York State was part of America, I guess uh, maybe, maybe based on Michael's experience, that may not be the case, but we'll find out. The main point is that that. Michael has developed a system that enables us to overcome adversity, to manage hard things, to do some things in terms of taking care of ourselves through mindfulness, breathing, meditation, and so on, that can serve us very, very well. So let's not talk about it uh, or talk about it. Uh, let's get into it. So Michael, first of all, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Real pleasure to have you with us. Uh, thanks, Dr. Kaiser. It's great to be with you and your listeners. I can't wait to get into it. And I probably should address that the ride across America was a separate ride than the ride across New York State. So two different rides okay. at two different times. So indeed, New York State is still part of the United States of America. So, but I did them in two different, different two different occasions. Oh wow! I uh, living in uh, Pennsylvania, which is near New York. I was I was starting to take some real pride of how many times I snuck in there without a passport, but it 
glad that that you've clarified that. But um, it's not every day that we get to talk with someone who is a meditation teacher, a combination of that and high performance coach, endurance athlete, and so on. So maybe the best place to start would be to, uh, I'm always interested in people's journeys to becoming who they are today. So Michael, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, what is the training for or the background for, or what is it that personally inspired you to go the career direction that you've chosen? Yeah, great question, Dr. Kaiser. So like I began in college. So growing up, I grew up in upstate New York and went to school in Virginia. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I graduated, I got my first job. I actually landed in sales and that sales career took me from Washington DC where I met my wife and we had our first daughter. I have two daughters and it took us to New, to New Jersey. And we'll fast forward a little bit when I was in 2001 or maybe backtrack a bit. I had a company offsite in New Mexico. It was July of 2001. I've always been an avid cyclist. I remember, I still remember my very first day riding my bike without training wheels. And I thought I could go anywhere. I thought I had like this unbelievable freedom. Although my freedom probably was limited to just the next block. But I thought the world was my oyster, as they say. So I've been a cyclist my whole life. I brought my bike out to this offsite. You referenced my near fatal accident. On the morning of July 11th, a SUV crossed the center line of the road. He was traveling about 40 miles per hour and hit me head on. And I broke a whole bunch of everything. I lacerated the femoral artery of my left leg. I needed a lot of blood to save my life and save my leg. Doctors told my wife they weren't really sure how I survived. They painted a pretty grim picture of what my future was gonna be. They said I probably would walk with trouble, probably would never get back on the bike again. And the days and weeks after I was really, I was really dark, I was angry. I wanted revenge on the driver. The driver had a revoked license. He shouldn't have been driving that day. It was all that stuff. Like, why is this all happening to me? And to make a long story that's now 22 years old, shorter, I had a moment when they flew me back to New Jersey and I was in a rehab hospital and I was a type A, go get them, climb the corporate ladder kind of guy back then. And I didn't think I was making progress fast enough. And I looked around everyone else who I thought in comparison was making far better progress than I was. They probably weren't, we were all struggling. And I just, something told me that I had to slow this all down. As an athlete, I, I knew how important my breath was. And I know what can happen if you slow the game down in any competition. It just moves better for you. And I was really overwhelmed by the enormity of my recovery, what was in store for me. I didn't know how to like really handle it in a healthy way. So I had very next morning, I had a box breathing 
session. I got into my wheelchair, I scooted myself out of my hospital bed and rolled my way to a quiet place in the hospital and did a simple box breathing breathwork pattern, just inhaling for a count of four, holding for four, exhaling for four and holding for four. I did that for about five minutes just to settle my nerves, settle my mind. And eventually I called those my pause, breathe, reflect breaks. And the reflection piece was, what am I grateful for? Uh, how did I want to show up for my rehab? And that helped me, that beginning stages of mindfulness helped me approach my rehab differently. Eventually I got back on my feet and out of the hospital and back home and back to my executive career. But along that way, I found mindfulness-based stress reduction. I did further study from other teachers and whatnot, and I became a teacher. And I didn't tell anyone, Dr. Kaiser, I was doing this because back then in the early 2000s, especially in corporate America, to say that you were doing mindfulness was a little bit way out there. You know, people were like, what is that? It was, I guess people would call it woo-woo or hippy-dippy or whatever. And I didn't want anyone to think I was losing my edge. I didn't want people to think that this accident had fundamentally changed me, even though it did fundamentally change me. Hmm. Um, so I um I just kept the practice to myself for the longest time until I left my corporate job. And then fast forward into the pandemic, I thought the pandemic was an invitation by whomever for all of us to practice mindfulness, to slow down a bit and be a little bit more thoughtful or a little bit more reflective on how we want to live. And I think that was a real opportunity in the moment. It's like, hey, how do we want to live? How do we want to approach our lives? How do we want to approach each other? So that was the sort of the start of all of this. So maybe we can blame it on that first ride on the, my bike without training wheels that set off this adventure, this journey of uh, openness and curiosity and all that good stuff. That's really amazing because actually two things that people might objectively think are negatives, you turn into positives. The, the injury and then the pandemic, which, uh, you know, as I, I don't have to tell most people, um, was not something that a lot of people adjusted to well, but it sounds like you used it as a growth experience. Uh, so there's a lesson in there, you know, that you've had a couple of significant negative events that you've been able to turn into a positive. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering... In, in your corporate life, I mean, were you that kind of a positive person all the time that, uh, you know, you expected to, to make those sales or whatever you were doing at that time? Well, salespeople, I think in general, are they tend to be optimistic because in sales, you get a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. So my whole life, I've been, I skew towards the optimism. But before my accident, I'd be optimistic on the outside, but I would pack a whole bunch of stress inside. I didn't really know how to deal with my stress when I was younger in the early part of my career. So I'd pack it down, pack it down, deny it was happening or try to resist it. And I do think in some ways the SUV 
blew me apart and blew off all that stress and gunk I was keeping in my body out so I could, you know, shift a bit, shift my perspective. But there was, there was something I used an acronym because every corporate person loves a good acronym. And so my acronym was grace. I love the word grace because there's a little bit of flow and fluidity to that. And so the acronym stands for the G is gratitude. So to give thanks to what I had, even give thanks to our challenging moments because they tend to lead to some growth. The R was a reframing question. So, and one question that someone gave me was, is this happening to you, Michael, or is this happening for you? The A is about awareness, which mindfulness helps us develop. The C is about community, which as we age becomes even more important. And the E is all around energy. Like how do we want to show up our ripple effect, if you will. So I would bring my GRACE acronym into my corporate life and try to see you know, the upside or at least try to shift my perspective ever so ever so little when I thought like things were like Henny Penny, the sky is falling. So yeah, so I, I've learned how to still be optimistic on the outside, but also process the stress I was dealing with in a healthier way so it wouldn't build up. And so I think that's one of the big differences between who I am today and who I was before my last bad day actually occurred. That's wonderful. So who are you today? What do you do on a, on a daily basis? <laughs> so, well, a daily basis. So like a day like today is a pretty typical day. So woke up, um, I got my hydration on. I know you talk about that. Hydration is so key for our over overall energy and health. So I got my hydration on. I had a bike ride. I came back. I did some yoga because I believe, especially as we age, we need to make sure that we have good balance. A lot of people think yoga is getting into all these pretzel-shaped postures, but yoga can be great in terms of balance, which is key as we age. So I did a little yoga and had a little breakfast. I recorded a couple meditations today. I also did some sessions of executive coaching because I'm also an executive coach. I'm sitting with you and before the evening's out, I'll probably do a little maintenance on the app just to continue to bring meditations to folks that are relatable. I, I believe meditation doesn't have to be way out there. It can be really relatable because our breath, foundationally, it's our breath and our breath can serve as this great regulator for our body. So when we have stressful moments, we can use it to slow down create some space and be more thoughtful. So that's the, it all ties back to that reflect piece. My, my dream is that we'll have 8 billion people one day taking a minute just to slow down, connect with their breath and be thoughtful in that moment as to how they want to move forward. I think we would have a more peaceful and healthier world if we all did that even if it was just for a minute a day. Yeah, that's that's really an admirable goal. And I'm sure it would do a, a whole lot for the world just in terms of interrupting the stress cycle and interrupting uh, the cycle of, you know, hatred and things of that nature that we have too much of in the world. Um, 
I'm going to want to ask about the app in a, in a few moments, but first of all, um, you mentioned a term that I know is key to you that uh, a lot of people have mentioned on the podcast. I don't know if we've ever had it fully uh, defined. Um, somebody will probably write and tell me that we did, you know, two weeks ago, or, you know, why don't you remember? Um, but mindfulness, what is your definition of mindfulness? For me, it's about paying attention on purpose. Mm -hmm. You can add to that John Kabat-Zinn, who brought mindfulness to the States with his mindfulness-based stress reduction will add without judgment. So without like judging the judgment. But for me, I try to keep it simple. It's, you know, trying to pay attention. It's that awareness to the present moment on purpose. It's simply that. Um, you're not going anywhere. You're not zooming off to a foreign land. It's really about this moment, this breath, paying attention to it. And when we do that, we can see all the different little moments that are between all the bigger moments. And I think, especially here in the States, we tend to over-index on those big moments. And that's the stuff that we, I guess, put on social media and we share. And there's something worth celebrating those big moments of life. But there's some wonderful little moments when we live mindfully, we can really appreciate, you know, something as simple as going outside and hearing the birds chirp in the morning or uh, how the sun kisses the schuylkill in Philadelphia in the morning or, you know, being out in nature or a particular smell or aroma that happens. You know, generally we experience life through our senses. So if we can tap into our senses and pay attention to our senses, we then get to pay attention to life. So I try to keep it simple. For me, it's about paying attention on purpose. Okay. It's a great, great definition. It's easy to follow. And uh, must compliment you on uh, pronouncing Skuka like a native Philadelphian. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I love Philadelphia. It's great. Although I will say, the fans of Philadelphia can be a little hard on opposing teams. We've seen many, many a game either against the Eagles or against the Phillies. And I dare say I was not rooting for the home team in that case. And we heard a lot of colorful language from the fans of Philadelphia uh, as we had um, our, our uniforms on. So but that's okay. All in good fun. Uh, we left those games with our team winning. So I guess we had the last laugh. What what team is that? <laughs> well, so I grew up, um, I have been from day one in baseball, a Toronto Blue Jays fan because I grew up across Lake Ontario in Rochester from Toronto. And for whatever reason, I became a Denver Bronco fan. So I, uh, I've seen Denver play Philadelphia, the Eagles there at the link and i've also seen the blue jays with my girls and my wife play the phillies as well so um you know we love a good game and we do love the enthusiasm philadelphia fans bring to their sports yeah but you're probably missing the the teaching moment they're trying to get you straightened out as to you know who the right team is to 
to cheer for. It's not a subjective thing here. It's uh, it's pretty objective of right and wrong. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's not talk therapy, or maybe it's talk therapy on their part, but it's it's very directive. And you know what? In today's world, with all the chaos, sometimes clarity and directness is something that you really seek. So, um, but we haven't switched allegiances yet. So we'll we'll see what happens. As long as you pronounce the name of our river correctly, that's uh, that's a step. Yeah, you know, Kelly, hey, right along Kelly Drive, I've ridden my bike along that a few times in my life. Great. Um, now I'd like to get into the app because I think that's such a central part of what you do if you're spending time doing things, adding to it, and so on on a regular basis. Um not sure how many of our listeners are aware of the app. So can you tell us about it, where they can find it, and so on? Yeah, so you can find it on the Apple Store and Google Play. And the way I designed it, I designed it for busy people. So many people have come to me over the years and they say, I know about my meditation and mindfulness. I probably should do it, but I don't have time to do it. I know current day there's a lot to be said for morning routines and we try to put a whole bunch in our morning routines and a lot of people are really busy in the morning trying to get off to work or young ones off to school or just active in other things so someone might not have 10 minutes in the morning to meditate my feeling is if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate in the morning, I bet you have 10 times throughout the day where you have a minute to slow it down or five times times two minutes. I have longer meditations on the app, but we have over indexed the meditations on the app to have shorter practices because besides meeting a whole bunch of people who claim that they don't have time to meditate, I've also met a lot of people who meditate in the morning, but they don't pull it throughout their day so by two o'clock things start to unravel and so for me i want this practice of pausing you know connecting with your breath and reflecting to be more of a way of living you know you take these micro moments of mindfulness throughout the day so things don't ramp up in terms of stress where you feel like you need a whole big thing to bring it down so we just take a little moment throughout the day just to slow it down, disrupt the pattern, be more thoughtful, be more graceful. So people will find a lot of great one minute, two minute, three minute practices. Again, there are longer practices on the app for those that want it. And here's a really cool thing that we're doing that many apps don't do. As we age, there's a great Harvard study I think you're probably familiar with around happiness and quality of life and it speaks to social fitness or community so my feeling is we need community we need a sense of belonging especially as we age maybe after we leave the workforce so i do live practices every day monday through friday so it's a chance for people to come into zoom i lead a meditation we do a little talking after and it's a beautiful way to build community. So people can have all the meditations on the app, but they can also have something a little bit different, a sense of connecting with, as I like to say, 
like-hearted people who are open to different mindedness. So are those people who are on the app to, is there that a way to, how do you enter the community? Is that part of the app? That's part of the app. So you can, through the app, there's a whole calendar and the calendar, you can sync up with your own personal calendar on your phone or your computer. And it puts all the meditations right there. It's a simple Zoom link. And you click on the Zoom link and eh, voila, you're right into our community. And it's a great chance to connect with people from really all over the world. We tend to do them at noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. And the practice is different every day. They're not super long, but it's a beautiful way to just like come in maybe through your lunch hour if you're East Coast, slow it down a bit, maybe let go of some stress. The other people practicing together, there's something special about that energy. And then about 1230, we close down the Zoom and then people can bring that vibe, that sense of a little bit less stress into the rest of their day. So it's a, it's a beautiful way of making the app be a little bit different than the other apps out there. So uh, yeah, it's one of the things I love most about our community and what we're trying to bring into the world. Yeah, sounds wonderful. And we'll have it in the show notes, but the, the name of the app again. Yeah, it's real simple. Just three words, pause, breathe, reflect. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I heard that's really encouraging, I remember um, I, I, I now consider meditation a real one of the kind of cornerstones of owning your body along with exercise and sleep. Uh, but I remember when I first learned about mindfulness meditation, um, it was harder then because I forgot whether it was, uh, I was taught it's 45 minutes long or 25 minutes long. And aside from the fact that you then have to be kind of aware of when 25 minutes is up so it's, so it's you're not really totally focused on it but also like a lot of people didn't have that kind of time at one time unless I gave up 25 minutes of sleep but the very notion of the fact that you can do it throughout the day and it may even be more effective but even you know if if you're doing it in in one chunk that uh that chunk may be 10 or 15 minutes as opposed to 45. So that's really great. Um, what do you tell somebody uh, that's really new to this? Uh, I'm thinking in terms of say some of the uh, older uh, folks on, on, on this podcast and in my population who may uh, have heard about it, uh, but you know, it's kind of a little bit like maybe skydiving it, uh, you know, heard about it, but never really had great incentive to to do it. Um, what What's so good about it that, that somebody should start at age 60 or 70 or 80 to do it? Yeah, great question. Well, I think it's a little bit easier to do than skydiving. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it, if say we retire from our corporate job at 65 or a little bit younger, a little bit older, mm 
given where medical technology is, we could live for 30 more years. And I believe those years, I know you do as well, can be really vibrant and make a great contribution to our families and our, to our communities. And so what mindfulness allows us to do is it helps relieve some stress. It also can promote better sleep. There's some clinical trials on that. It can also be effective with dealing with things like hypertension, so, some diseases that we deal with as we age, but it also helps us meet our moments with a little bit more, well, fluidity, if you will. Uh, there's a word called equanimity. So it's just having that right harmony. It's like a surfer surfing a wave. You know, they, they're just got the right balance. They're not leaning too far into the wave and they're not leaning too far back. They just have the right type of harmony as they or balance as they surf the wave. But to start, I recommend, and this is why I've over-indexed the app on shorter meditations, is start small. You know, just we'll start with a minute a day and get the hang of it. I also let people know, listen, the goal isn't to make your mind go blank. That is not what mindfulness is. Our minds are quite active. There was a Harvard study that said our minds wander, I think, 54% of the time. So we pay attention to all of our different thoughts. We sort of watch them go by like clouds in the sky. So the goal isn't to make our mind go blank. We don't have to necessarily get into a certain position. We can simply just connect with our breath, slow things down. And then we start to change our relationship with the uncertainty of the world, the insecurity the stress. And so we change our relationship with those moments. And then we get to change our relationship with life. And that generally for most people can lead to healthier outcomes. Great. Like anything, skydiving or mindfulness, it's not for everyone, but it is quite beneficial for a lot of people. At least the mindfulness is. I can't speak to skydiving, but mindfulness is a beautiful way to bring some vitality and less stress and better sleep, especially as we age. And the way we do it, we also provide community, which is so key to our overall health and happiness. Well, I mean, you've taken away a lot of the excuses for not doing it. Uh, uh, whether somebody is uh, leading a very busy corporate lifestyle or if somebody is in retirement. But there's one group of people that uh, I also am wondering about, uh, thinking uh, they, in terms of, of young families, uh, trying to think in terms of my grandchildren, and we're, I, I think, very fortunate in that they're, they're both, you know, athletes and very active and don't spend all their time watching uh, TV and being sedentary and not uh, candidates for the obesity epidemic and so on. But uh, if I were to tell them, hey, you know, it'd be great if you just took five minutes and concentrate on your breathing. Um, I think they would really think I'm being out of touch with, with them. I mean, I'm doing guesswork, haven't suggested it, but if somebody is raising a young family, um, since, I, I mean, if you really care about health, there are things that you 
uh, should be doing in terms of encouraging exercise, proper nutrition, hydration, so on. Um, any any uh, tricks for getting mindfulness uh, and and meditation and constant and pausing and concentrating on the breathing and uh, into the minds of, of kids who are, are doing a lot of the right things but not uh, not used to concentrating on their breathing. Yeah, great question, Dr. Kaiser. So I will say the kids, I think, are can be more open to this. I think they see how their parents are living or how their grandparents, you aside, uh, mm -hmm. are living. And they're like, I think we want something a little bit different out of life. And so I have a bunch of meditations on the app really for kids. Mm -hmm. You know, coming back from recess, if they're a younger child, before an exam, kids, just like adults, we get nervous, we get anxious, we get worried. I think growing up nowadays as a kid with all the things that are going on, it can feel overwhelming about like what's gonna happen to our planet, what's gonna happen to us. We have the wisdom of like, well, we've been through a lot in the past. We have confidence we can get through this. And some days we might not even have that confidence, but we have some wisdom to know that we've been through hard times and we can get through hard times. But kids, any kid at any age, they haven't had that lived experience yet. So the app is really, you know, in a lot of ways also designed for them, for school. If there's a child out there who is an athlete, visualization is a great way to prep for your practice and prep for your games. So visualization could be another form of meditation. Michael Phelps, the great Olympian, he used to do visualization before all his swim meets. And it sort of worked out for him. You know, I think uh, ESPN and all the critics would agree on that. So, so I would say I would encourage kids to also do this. And I think one way, if the kids and the parents are getting along, you know, you get to the teenage years and sometimes the teenagers want some independence but you know if you have a child in middle school or elementary you can start practicing meditation with them you know just like you would practice hydration or eating healthy at the dinner table there are a lot of great healthy practices that a family can do together and meditation is one of them wonderful wonderful um i could I've got tons of questions. Uh, won't have time for them, at least on on the, in this interview. We may have to do another one. But uh, there are a couple that are related to two different kinds of fears that I'd like to ask you before we close. The first one may seem trivial, but you talk about the, the app and the index and all these different meditations uh, for technically challenged people how hard is it to use the app or how user-friendly is it very user-friendly what people have told me as soon as they open it they already feel calmer because you come in and there's beautiful nature nature sounds nature imagery and we've put the app in a structure where you can find your length of time, so let's say you only have two minutes, you can go right to two minutes and find a meditation that would speak to you. You can also favorite some of the, your meditations that you like the most, so those are easy to find. So I have a whole bunch of our community 
who are older. They have retired and they find it to be really easy. So I always wanted an app that was simple. And so that's one of the design principles to make it simple and accessible. I don't want anyone to spend 15 minutes on the app trying to search for a five minute meditation. That doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, so we, even though we have a growing library of different meditations, our design principle is still around, keep it simple, uh, make it easy for anyone, whether they're 10 years old or 90. Okay, great. That's good to hear. Um, the other thing uh, is maybe a little bit off topic, but not really. Uh, you told us how in your recovering from the injury, how you kind of did it emotionally. Um, getting back on the bike, though, seems like a little different thing. I mean, were you the, did the work you did inside your head make it easy to transition to going back on the bike or um i'm thinking of people who've been through various traumas and need either have to get to that place again geographically because that's where family lives or uh whatever it may be or a bike or car uh you know whatever that may be uh any uh any thoughts, hints, or so on about that? Yeah, so my physical therapist really pushed my buttons to get me back on the bike. I was cautious, not because of fear of traffic, but I I really didn't want to see how far I had to go to get back to normal, you know, because I knew I was far. I knew I was making progress, but I knew I had a long way to go to feel normal. But in terms of like the fear of getting back on the road in traffic, what I did is I had a little bit of exposure therapy, to be honest. I took areas around the neighborhood where I felt safe on the road and I started small, like a one minute meditation. And I tried to just get comfortable and I've strung a few of those days together and each day, I went, I tried to go a little bit longer, a little bit further. The first time I got on the ride though, Dr. Kaiser was, was a little crazy because I got on the road and within about 10, 15 seconds, the universe brought me a big old SUV. The color was white, the same color as the SUV who hit me. And it was not coming right at me, it was coming from behind, but it was speeding. And I held on to the handlebars really tight. I think I held my breath. I probably closed my eyes, which I do not recommend. And it passed me. And then when it did, I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna be okay. Uh, so I try to be a more defensive cyclist now. I try to you know, anticipate. My accident was a freak accident. It was very random. I hope those things never happen to anyone else in the world. Unfortunately, it happens too frequently. But my feeling was, was this, and talking to my wife, in life, there's risk. And if I can mitigate some of the risk, I, I don't want to live my life on the couch, because even living on the couch has some risk. So I want to participate in life, and I want to be smart as a cyclist. I 
bring gratitude into every ride I do, but I also try to be aware. So I don't ride with headphones and I try, you know, pay attention and be a good cyclist. Um, those are all great things to do. Feel good about doing them. They don't prevent something bad from happening, but I, I feel like I wanted to participate in life. And I tried, I try each day to dance with the fear that I might have. That's something unfortunate would happen again, but I want to live life on my own terms and not live life scared. If that makes sense. It not only makes sense, but it's really a wonderful thought and very inspirational, probably a good one to end on. Uh, although you did mention something in passing that I think shouldn't be overlooked. You said even sitting on the couch has some risk. Um, I think it's been pretty well, researched and proven that uh, a sedentary lifestyle is right up there with obesity and smoking and so on in terms of you know being a killer so uh, too much time on the couch definitely carries carries risk so uh, but while you're on the couch uh, for the purpose of meditating that probably is 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 a good use of it and it's a good use and you can still do a little fidgeting and move your body a little bit i guess good. great well again this has been wonderful uh left me with a lot of food for thought and a lot of questions uh that we may need to to get answered at another time but um in closing i'm just wondering you've told us about the app and again we'll have it in the show notes um any place else that people can learn about you? Are you on social media or is there anything else that, that people uh, should be aware of if they want to know of your work? Yeah, great question. So two platforms I'm on. I'm on Instagram at pause, breathe, reflect. And I, you can also find me on LinkedIn because I do a lot of work with corporations. I'm trying to bring mindfulness into the workplace because I believe we need to change how we work together. I think it also will influence how we live together. So Instagram and LinkedIn are the two places. People can also find me at pausebreathereflect.com as well. Great. Um, you've answered my most obvious questions, but is there anything you think I should have asked you but didn't before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think we covered it all. But maybe uh, I can ask you a question. So how will the Eagles do this year? Uh, is that a question? I thought uh, I thought <laughs> <pretty> decided. <laughs> maybe, here. maybe so. Yeah. So uh, another Super Bowl is in the future, perhaps. Yeah, I think if everybody or most everybody stays healthy, I think we're we're going to have a season into February again. <laughs> Very good. Well, we'll root for the, the city of brotherly love. Okay. And uh, it should be fairly easy for you because I think the Broncos are still, you know, a year or two or three away from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might want to keep going. It might be three or four or five. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, but uh, I admire your loyalty. And uh, again, this has really been, been really terrific. Uh, Michael, I appreciate all that you've shared with us, and I'm sure that many listeners will be interested in following up 
um, and gaining from the wonderful work that you do and look forward to talking with you again. And uh, so this brings to the conclusion another episode of the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. Really excellent uh, interaction with, with Michael O'Brien. We learned a lot from him and a uh, lot of practical stuff and um, admire how far you've you've come to overcome things, Michael, and how much you've been willing to share. I know you're an inspiration and a guide for so many of us. So keep up the good work. And all of you listeners out there, I hope that you will tell your friends about the podcast, download it, rate it, review it, and then be back next week for another excellent guest uh, who's going to help us to become better versions of ourselves. Until then, everybody stay positive, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.